if it seems appropriate, but I submit this to you um, in, in all honesty, just as an act of worship. Like, this is important for our church to think about, God, where have we been? Where are we going? What's this going to look like? How are you working? Knowing <laughs> we make our plans and the Lord directs our steps. So we make plans, we seek the Holy Spirit, and knowing who knows where the Lord will take where us. Where are we going? Year. What's this going to look right, like? How let's are you begin. working? Steps. So first section plans, is called the joy the of partnership. And knowing and who knows where the Lord will take us. Where are we going? Year. Last year's Save like, the Church address ended with so these first words section from the Apostle Paul the joy in partnership. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for all of you, making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Even though Paul was writing about a church he had been part of in the past, these verses capture how I feel about Emmaus in the present. Despite past challenges and realizing many more challenges will come our way, I am so excited about God's work in our church. I feel gratitude and joy when I think about the opportunity to be part of this church family. The joy comes from the fact that we are partners in the gospel and God is not finished with us. The word partnership in Philippians 1.5 is the famous Greek word koinonia. In the New Testament, koinonia is usually translated as fellowship. And if we're not careful, we can limit the concept of fellowship simply to eating together or hanging out. Nothing is wrong with either of those things, but the biblical force of koinonia is more active than passive. New Testament fellowship is about partnering together to advance the gospel. If you are lacking joy when you think about being involved with a local church family, could it be that your concept of fellowship has shifted from active to passive? When we think about church as another slot on our calendar, another item on our plate, another club or organization to attend, I agree that it's easy to feel discouraged, uninterested, or tired. But the gospel and partnering together in the church for the advance of the gospel is the source of unstoppable hope and never-ending joy through Christ. And Philippians 1.6 shows us that God will finish what he has started. Or to use the phrasing 1 Thessalonians 5, he who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. Tomorrow, December 6th, marks the 35th anniversary of Emmaus being incorporated as a church in 1986 after being a mission church of First Baptist Moore from 1983 to 1986. So if you need an excuse tomorrow to have a dessert or break a diet, it's just you're celebrating the 35th birthday of, of Emmaus. Just tell yourself that tomorrow, whatever celebration you have. God began a good work in this church family, and we believe he will carry this work forward. Because of this, we want to make sure we keep a forward-looking, eternal perspective. Even as we take time tonight to celebrate how God has worked in the past, we will keep our eyes focused with hope and anticipation on the future. Okay, in section two, we're going to look back. This is the backward-looking part. This is the state of the church looking back at 2021. 2.1, COVID and counseling. Most weeks, sometimes daily, I write in my prayer journal. One gift of doing this is being able to look back at previous challenges and see God's faithfulness and mercy on display. Some of these past challenges look small and meaningless now. Others still feel painful years later. But as I read back over these prayers, I'm always thankful that I didn't skip the hard parts. Because if we skip the hard parts, we miss the chance to experience the fullness of God's grace and redemption. Tonight, as we look back at 2021, I've never felt more tempted to skip the hard parts. 
While 2020 was certainly hard and unprecedented, 2021 felt more challenging in many respects. On January 1st, 2021, I was too sick to get out of bed. The day before, my wife had managed to get me to urgent care while driving through crazy snow, and I tested positive for COVID. Many of you have been affected far worse by COVID than I was, but I can definitely say I've never been that sick. Aside from COVID, I also began 2021 in counseling. Again, I say that very carefully because I know many people suffer from mental health challenges far beyond my own. But at the end of 2020, I began dealing with some serious physical, mental, and emotional challenges. This was a perfect storm of lifelong battles with anxiety, the stress of leading our church through COVID, difficult decisions about church personnel, and many people leaving our church in a short time span. My wife sent me to talk with Hans Dilbeck, who at the time was executive director for Oklahoma Baptist. After I broke down crying in his office, Hans sent me to a professional counselor who works with pastors. One thing I learned during counseling is that more pastors leave the ministry between the ages of 38 and 41 than any other period of life. I'm 39, turning 40 in a few months. I wish I had gone to counseling earlier in life, but my counseling sessions in 2021 came at just the right time. In counseling, the main issue I had to face was my definition of success. Does my definition of ministry success reflect the world's idea of success, or does my definition of success match God's word and the values of his kingdom? In my flesh, I learned that I define success based on two things. Number one, numerical growth, especially as this growth compares to other churches or pastors. And number two, how pleased people are with me. In one sense, there's nothing inherently wrong with either of these things, but both can easily become toxic, deadly forces in our lives, and neither reflect success in light of God's word and kingdom. In 2018, we averaged 550 people at Emmaus on Sunday mornings. In 2019, that number was 536. We don't have great numbers for 2020 because many weeks we had 10 people in the building while taping the worship service. For all of 2021, the average has been 490, with an average of 500 since August, not to mention a couple of dozen people still watching on Facebook. Now, while we wish these numbers were higher and honestly trending in a different direction, hear me clearly, I'm not discouraged. If anything, I feel motivated to press forward, and I'm so thankful that God has brought many new people to our church family during this past year. Plus, we have a great baseline as we move ahead, desiring to reach many people with the gospel and continuing to be a healthy, God-honoring option for people seeking a church family. As we think about how the past few years have impacted each of us in unique ways, let me also encourage you, just pastorally, to be patient with yourself and with others. Several studies, one famous one is called the Holmes-Ray Life Stress Inventory. Several studies help us understand how traumatic life events impact our health, stress, and tiredness. We need to acknowledge how hard the past few years have been, not to mention the complexity of living in an increasingly polarized and chaotic world. Amid all of this, we won't give in and we won't quit. Instead, we will trust in the Lord, rest in Christ, and love those around us. So let's celebrate some goals from 2021. In last year's State of the Church Address, we separated goals for 2021 into four categories. You'll see these all start with the letter P, and I would like to go on record that I stole them from Doug Melton at Southern Hills Baptist Church. So it's his alliteration, not mine, but we use these to kind of think about long-term planning. The first is programming, and last year our goal had to do with determining whether or not to have two services. So COVID realities in 2020 led us to utilize two Sunday morning services. 
We finished 2020 trying to determine how long we should continue with two services. On June 6, 2021, we moved back to one service. This move back to one service allowed us to make a strategic change that our staff had actually been discussing for the past four years. With the move to one service in June, we kept the worship gathering start time at 1045 and Sunday school at 915. Under the old time slots, many parents couldn't make it from Sunday school to big church on time with their kids, and our staff constantly felt rushed. With the current schedule, the time between Sunday school and the worship service admittedly can feel awkwardly long at times, but it's been a blessing in disguise. By slowing the transition, our members have more time to interact with those in other classes and also to interact with guests. If you find yourself frustrated by the long period of time between Sunday school and the worship service, I'd urge you to consider how God is leading you to invest this time. Whom can you meet? Whom can you encourage? Whom can you pray for? Who is sitting alone? I read a quote the other day that said, when you come to church, if you see someone sitting alone, consider that an emergency. Now, that may be an overstatement, but it's a way to think about it. When you see someone sitting alone, is that an emergency? Now, it may just be that person is like me and really likes to be sitting alone at times, but, uh, or it could be that God's leading you to engage in a very important way to encourage someone. Uh, and my wife often talks about when she finds herself going out to the lobby, either before a service starts, usually that's a God-ordained five to ten minute ministry conversation that he's going to give you uh, out there in, in those opportunities. Church is about family. Church is about worship and encouragement and prayer. The conversations before and after the worship service are just as much an act of worship as the music and sermon. I'm thankful God has given us the schedule, and I pray we'll make the most of the opportunity. So, would we do two services again? Sure. Three potential reasons come to mind. First, if we had another COVID outbreak or pandemic, we'd likely need an extra service. Second, when we're ready to move ahead with the phase two preschool and children's building, we'll almost certainly have to move to two or even three services during that building project. Third, prayerfully, we will grow numerically in the next few years to the point that we need a second worship service, but that I don't need to go back to counseling. 2.2.2, um, people groups, missions. In last year's State of the Church, I mentioned how we had wanted to host a mission celebration weekend in 2020. COVID hindered those efforts, and God instead allowed us to strengthen our ministry to the homeless and those in our community who are hurting. In 2021, we were able to have an amazing mission celebration. We host, hosted mission partnerships from the IMB staff, Colombia, Panama, and East Asia. Throughout the weekend, our church learned more about encouraging and praying for these missionaries, and we will continue to look for opportunities to resume international mission trips in 2022. Plus, following Jim's work with the mission celebration, he was able to take a sabbatical in October. I'm thankful for a church that invests in its staff by allowing for sabbaticals to rest and recharge. Not only that, but around the time of Jim's sabbatical, we were able to add Africa Pruitt as a missions associate. Africa will serve alongside Jim to coordinate mission efforts, and she is already working with Afghan refugees coming to the metro area. Section 3 is about property, campus master plan. So both the 2019 and 2020 State of the Church documents included the goal of developing a church property master plan. This past year, we were able to present a master plan to the church family. I'll say more about this plan at the end of tonight's address, but the short overview is that our master plan includes three phases, which you can see if you turn your State of the Church address over to the back. Phase one was approved unanimously by the church on October 3rd. This phase includes expansion of the youth room by allowing the students to have both their current space and the large conference room next door, next door to their current youth room. 
The main portion of phase one involves a number of projects in our back west property, including an expansion of the barn, a new pavilion, a walking track, multi-use green space, and a kid's playground. Phase two is currently slated to be a new two-story preschool and children's building that would include the removal of the center and north wings of building B. When I say building B, I mean the old brick building right here um, at the front. This preschool and children's building would be attached directly to the worship center with a climate-controlled atrium, and we would repurpose the current south wing of building B where Compass is located. That would become office space. Phase three would involve demolition of the remaining south wing of building B and allow us to build a two-story building attached to what will be the new preschool and children's building. This phase three structure would include new offices on the first floor and multi-use classrooms on the second floor. Section four of looking back at uh, 2021 goals. Every state of the church address since 2016, my first full year at Emmaus, has included a section updating the church on our efforts to solidify the music leadership role. Finally, in 2021, we were able to solidify this role, but it wouldn't be fair to celebrate this development without also acknowledging the pain of the process. Even determining the best and most appropriate way to talk about the music transition is hard because I feel so much tension in my heart and mind. On one hand, the process still feels painful because it didn't develop how I first thought it would. Some people whom we care about deeply were hurt, and several people left the church around this time. Admittedly, some related to the music change and, and others for different reasons. As we move ahead, we do so with ongoing love for David and Crystal, with humility before the Lord, and with a deep desire that our unity in Christ will preserve relationships and provide healing as we look toward an eternity of worship together, with our focus on the only one who truly matters in our worship, the Lord Jesus. Even with all the pain from the early months of 2021, I can't say enough about how excited I am to have Jaron Yon serving as our worship and senior adult pastor. I could spend the whole night telling you how much I am blessed by Jaron as our worship pastor and as my friend. He stepped into a hard situation with both humility and courage. His worship team has rallied together, and they have used their various skills to mutually encourage and strengthen one another. Above all, I love Jaron's teachable spirit. He values feedback, he is determined to lo- learn and grow, and he is passionate about building a team focused on leading our church in prayer and praise. And as an additional gift, God sent us someone at the end of this year to serve as our music associate and work with the choir and vocalists. Cassidy Hopkins, along with her husband Ben, daughter Sutton, and baby number two on the way, will be a great gift to our staff and church in the years to come. Sections 2.3 are the celebrations we didn't know we were planning for that God brought us in in 2021. Jaron's move to worship and senior adult pastor meant we also had to fill the student pastor role in 2021. First off, I don't think I've said enough publicly about the incredible job Kennedy Lehu did leading our student ministry while we searched for a full-time hire. Kennedy is gifted in so many ways, and her ability to lead, encourage, and plan was a big part of why our students thrived this past summer and into the new school year. And the next time you see Kennedy, tell her so. God worked through the personnel committee and an advisory group of parents, students, and volunteers to lead us to Cody Mosier as our new student pastor. When Cody was in high school, he was mentored by a youth minister who happened to be my freshman college roommate at OBU. Cody, Megan, and the boys, including boy number three on the way, have been an incredible blessing for our church family. It's hard to imagine they've only been with us for six months. I can't wait to see what the next six months, not to mention six years, look like. 
Among our kids and teenagers this past year, we've been able to celebrate several salvations and baptisms, including a very fun Sunday on November 7th when 17 kids were baptized. I'm so thankful for how Courtney, Amy, and Melissa, and when I say Melissa, I'm talking about Melissa, who is a director for our Compass Preschool that meets during the week, how they invest in our kids and families, and these baptisms are wonderful celebrations of the hard work and dedication that happen behind the scenes. Plus, it's been amazing to see how God is bringing guests and new members to Emmaus. We continue to host occasional Discover Emmaus lunches for guests who want basic information about the church, and the membership process, which includes a class offered on the second Sunday of each month, hearing the new members' testimony and presenting new members to the church, allow us to connect new faces with our church family. I include that last paragraph because I I get asked from time to time, and I know this is as clear as mud when I say it, but I get asked, what's the difference between Discover Emmaus and the membership class? We aim to do Discover Emmaus about five times per year, and we see it as a first step if someone just wants to meet the staff, learn basic information about the church. Just think about it as an onboarding for guests. So if you know people that are coming as guests and they just need a soft way to start, that's the goal of Discover Emmaus. When someone gets the feeling of, hey, I think I could see myself being here long term, this feels like a place I could see myself being, the membership class is the place to send them. So if you know someone saying, hey, how do I join or how do I get connected to Emmaus, the membership class happens every month on the second Sunday of the month. Just tell them second Sunday of the month, that class will be happening in the lobby, and then that sets them on the right track. So I wanted to clear that up. If it doesn't make sense, let me know. All right, with all that said, looking back at 2021, what won't change? At Discover Emmaus and the monthly membership class, we talk about the future of Emmaus, but we also discuss some things we don't see changing. After going through a year with so much change, I thought it'd be good to review the stakes in the ground that anchor and guide our church. And there's going to be four of these, and then we'll do some subpoints. but four main anchors in the ground. Number one is a commitment to God's word. As a church family, we remain committed to the Bible as the word of God. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus told us part of making disciples is teaching people to obey all that he commanded. Our goal isn't simply to teach the Bible as information. We want to teach people to respond to God's word in worship, faith, and obedience. So the question is, how do we remain committed to God's word? Sunday school and small groups are a big part of how that happens. We will continue to celebrate opportunities for members to meet in small groups and Sunday school classes to be equipped and encouraged by God's word. These Sunday school classes of all ages are strong anchors for this commitment. Additionally, Jeff Hemphill has developed Wednesday night groups and other Bible studies throughout the week that have allowed many people to get involved. Jeff and I are always excited when we hear about these groups resulting in a few people getting together simply to equip and encourage one another through prayer and God's word. Keep it up. You don't need our permission to do that. (laughs) Do that. Equip and encourage one another with God's word. We're going to preach God's word. In 2021, after beginning the year with a study of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5, we studied Daniel, Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther, then ended the year by focusing on the female characters related to the Christmas story. In addition, our Sunday night 5 p.m. service allowed us to do individual studies of Jesus' disciples and explore Ezra and Nehemiah in greater detail. If your schedule allows, or when it allows, we'd love to have you join us on Sunday nights at 5 p.m. for hymns, prayer, and God's Word. These Sunday evening services will restart on January 9th, and the plan is to work through 1 Peter in the spring. 
As a church, we will continue to preach through books of the Bible while integrating sermons on themes and theological studies. But even these thematic and theological sermons will be anchored in the text of God's Word. In 2022, we'll begin working our way through Mark's Gospel. I don't know how long this will take, but I assume it will extend into the summer. And I wrote that, and then I did some prep work this last week on Mark, and it's probably going to be 2023. So uh, just prepare yourself for that. And then we're not going to read through it, but there's kind of a list of what we covered in the last, the last few years, if you're curious about previous sermon series that are on the website. The last thing I'll say about a commitment to God's word is just a reminder that our church verse is 2 Corinthians 4, 5. What we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants, for Jesus' sake. And then based on that verse, it takes us to the next section where we say, what's our mission as a church? Well, our mission as a church is we exist to proclaim and display Jesus. When we say we exist, we're saying that church is about we, not me. Proclaim has to do with what we say. Display has to do with what we do. We put the word and in there because we don't want to be hypocrites. We want our words and actions to match up. And Jesus is the ultimate focus of our lives. As a church, we are committed to sharing the gospel. That's that proclaim. That's what we do with our words. And we're committed to caring for our community and our world, displaying that with our love and our actions. We don't see these as competing forces. We believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It is crucial to share the gospel and call people to respond, both individually and in our worship services. At the same time, we are called to display the love and grace of God through our actions. We want to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. So, how do we proclaim the gospel? One model that we love at Emmaus is the three circles model that you'll see on the next page. If you like the four spiritual laws, if you like the bridge illustration, if you like evangelism explosion, use it. <laughs> this, this model of three circles is, is not scripture. It's not gospel. It's just a good model if you don't know what to use to share the gospel with someone. And so we find this very helpful. I find this very helpful, so we include it. But whatever you use to proclaim the gospel, if it's the gospel, go for it. Um, number three, stake in the ground would be page nine, 3.3. When we're talking about church, we're talking about people. Though we want to serve and lead with excellence, our approach to church can't be based on the leaders offering a good product or performance that the audience consumes or watches. Worship is participatory. Worship connects us not only to God, but also to one another. As much as possible, we want people to associate church with a family to which they belong, not just an organization they're part of or a place they show up to. People will begin attending a particular church for multiple reasons, but they stay because of the people. We're not perfect, far from it, in fact. But as a church, we want to be a family of faith. A key value at Emmaus is humility. And I know it's prideful to say that, but it is a key, a key value for us. As a church family and as leaders, we don't want to be brash or arrogant. Toxic forms of spiritual leadership are based on power, personal charisma, and manipulation. Spiritual leadership certainly requires courage, but how we say things and how we approach situations matters. In the years to come, as the culture becomes more divisive and many religious groups continue to chirp and bite, I pray we will remain focused on loving, encouraging, and respecting one another in a humble and gentle manner.
And then finally, I couldn't talk about Emmaus stake in the ground without saying up, in, and out. So I threw up, in, and out in there. Uh, if you've not been around Emmaus, up is what we say in regard to worship, and the words we use about that are prayer and praise. In is what we mean by discipleship in the home and in the church, and our words for discipleship are equip and encourage. Out is our word for missions, and the words we use for that are give and go. So we prayer and praise, equip and encourage, give and go, up, in, out. We'll just keep on saying that until it gets drilled really deeply in our heads and, and helps to shape how we think about living the Christian life and being a church. Okay, section four. Let's look to the future. We look to the past. We talked about the stakes in the ground that will anchor us. Now let's talk about the future. Earlier in 2021, I read, at the suggestion of another pastor, a book called Old Paths, New Power. Our staff then worked through a few chapters, part of this book, toward the end of this year. We try as a staff to read books together from time to time, just for uh, personal growth and bringing us together as a team. One book we read this year was called Lead, L-E-A-D, Lead by Paul David Tripp. That was probably a top five book for just thinking about spiritual leadership and, and being a church. This particular book, this old past new power, I'm not sure I'd even put this book in the top 10 of all books I read in 2021, yet it probably created the most conversations in my head about where we are as a church and what my role should be as pastor. This book is based on Acts 6-4, that at a time when the early church needed to care for widows and address disunity, the leaders in the church didn't take this task solely upon themselves. Instead, they doubled down on prayer and the ministry of the word, and the leaders deployed the church to meet needs and serve one another. The next paragraph could sound a little bit abstract, but I mean it as one of the most important paragraphs in this address. The path forward for our church must be centered on the power of prayer, the truth of God's word, and the impact of the whole church, every member being equipped, encouraged, and deployed to serve one another and spread the gospel. In prayer, we learn to hear the voice of God and experience his presence and power. In his word, we are made wise unto salvation and shown the path that leads to full and abundant life. In teamwork, we learn to tap into the resources and spiritual gifts that God has given us, not elevating one person above another, but simply working together toward the greater mission of making disciples and glorifying God. 4.2, on the way. And you're going to hear the phrase on the way so many times you may get sick of it like up, in, and out. So it's going to be the new version of up, in, and out. On the way is our theme as a church for 2022. On the way. While the old paths must guide us forward, it would be a mistake not to consider where these paths are heading in the future. While obsessing over the future is dangerous, it's also dangerous for churches to live in the past. One of the hardest elements of church leadership is balancing the past and the future while not missing what God is doing in the present. So for the next couple of minutes, I want to focus our attention on a few things God has placed in front of us for 2022. 4.2.1, the way of Jesus, a study in the gospel of Mark. As I mentioned earlier, the main sermon series for 2022 will be the gospel of Mark. One key theme throughout the book is Mark's strategic use of the Greek term hadas, which means path or way. This next year, we want to consider how Jesus lived and how he leads us on the path of true and eternal life. The earliest Christians were simply known as the way. In 2022, I pray we will learn to walk like Jesus walked, to live like Jesus lived. For each of these 2022 elements, I've added an action item in there. Can I just ask you for 2022, just commit yourself to studying the Gospel of Mark? 
studying it personally, receiving it as we study it together on Sunday mornings in worship as a sermon, thinking about how did Jesus live and how does his life shape my life? What does it look like to follow the way of Jesus? Next section, master plan, progress, and prayer. On October 3rd, Emmaus voted unanimously to move forward with phase one of our master plan. The building and grounds committee has hired a construction manager for these projects, and we are already making progress. Plus, I can't say enough about the work Jonathan Smith, Gwen Unruh, and Abby Fuller have done behind the scenes to organize and communicate the phase one plans. And I would add at this point, while we're bragging on staff, I can't say enough about Jeff Meyer and our building team and all the work that happens behind the scenes when we're thinking about everything that's happening right now and going to happen around our campus. I'm just so thankful for them. We are on the way to an expanded youth room because we're committed to seeing teenagers reach their friends for Christ and grow in love for God and love for one another. We are on the way to a multi-use green space in the backfield because we are committed to creating connections with young families and reaching out to our community to share the gospel. We are on the way to a new pavilion with a small playground and other amenities because we are committed to families and small groups spending time together, marking key moments in life, and celebrating God's blessings. We are on the way to a walking track with other fun elements because we are committed to prayer walking, building friendships, honoring God with our bodies through exercise, and enjoying the gift of being outdoors. As we think about goals for the West property, we are focused on prayer, especially prayer walking, and connecting our members with opportunities to share the gospel. As one finance committee member said recently, these phase one projects will be an ongoing piece of our church's mission work. Imagine people from our community coming up here to walk, and as they walk, they see signs that lead them through the gospel message. Or imagine a group of friends who walk together each morning, praying for revival in our community. Or imagine a family reunion at the pavilion in which family members who haven't been together in a long time are reunited and reconciled by the gospel. Thinking about prayer and sharing the gospel, will you commit in 2022 to pray and share the gospel with one person? Who has God put in your life that you're able to connect with, bring them up here to our walking track or our pavilion, spend time with them in your neighborhood, pray for them daily? Who has God put in your life that you can share the gospel with in 2022? On the way, 2022 giving campaign for phase one projects. The phase one projects will require financial resources beyond our normal operating budget. Tonight, we are debuting our On The Way giving campaign for 2022. We hope to pay for as much of phase one as possible with cash. We already have $525,000 available in designated accounts, actually a little bit more than that, but we're trying to protect one account a little bit. So we have that money with another $100,000 incorporated into the 2022 operating budget, plus Strong end-of-year giving, which you saw we're already at $100,000 surplus if we stay on track and may maybe more. Strong end-of-year giving should allow us to finish 2021 with a budget surplus, a large portion of which can go toward phase one. The 2022 On The Way Giving campaign is focused on raising $300,000. The display board includes 300 squares. I know you can see them all individually from where you are. <laughs> 300 squares. They're more rectangles than squares. I should have changed that. 300 sections representing $1,000 each. By focusing on $1,000 squares or rectangles, givers can focus on $100 per month while having a two-month buffer during the year. 
Many of the squares are subdivided into $500 sections as well for another giving option. Two quick clarifications. First, on the display board, we are using the walking track instead of a thermometer to show progress toward the total goal. But financial gifts will go toward all phase one projects. You're not giving toward the walking track only, and the walking track won't cost $300,000, or at least it better not. Um, second, we must make, that would be like a moving walking track where you just stand there and it just moves you around the backfield, which may be what we want, uh, potentially. Um, Second, we must maintain consistent giving toward our general budget. We hope contributions toward the On The Way campaign will be above and beyond your regular giving. For many givers, $1,000 or $500 will be a maximum goal for the campaign, and that pledge will require a lot of work and sacrifice. For other givers, taking 10 squares and committing $1,000 per month for a $10,000 total will be what you're able to do. This campaign will require all of us working to death together. Do what God leads you to do. So what's your next step? Pray, have conversations with your family at home, determine the pledge you can make for 2022. Then in the next several weeks, go to the display board in the lobby and write your pledge on a card. I have these cards somewhere. So out in the lobby, we'll have a table set up with this display board near it. There'll be a pledge card when you're ready to make this commitment, this is what our family can do for this campaign, you'll go over there, you'll write your information, your name, your pledge on the card. It'll go in a secure box. That box will go to the financial office uh, next door, and, and we'll log those, those pledges. Then you'll receive a magnet that represents whatever your pledge amount is. If you make a pledge of $3,000 for 2022 for this giving campaign, you'll go home with three $1,000 magnets as a way to represent, this is our pledge, we can put this up somewhere and, and remember it. And then we have some information cards about how to give, just logistical uh, ideas if you don't know how to give financially as a part of this, we'll have those. But you'll go home with a magnet and then we'll begin to fill in on the walking track as we work our way toward, toward this particular goal. Uh, yeah, and I think that fills in what I wanted to say on page 12. Top of 13. Here is one other thing to consider about finances related to phase one and especially beyond. As you consider long-term giving, would you consider investing in local church ministry or even a specific ministry within our church by including Emmaus in your estate planning or by even setting up an endowment? We have resources to help with this process and by establishing a gift that provides ongoing support it will allow future generations to focus their giving on new opportunities. I know it's a big goal, but I wonder if God would lead someone to establish an account to provide ongoing funds that would cover long range expenses and ministry projects for the West property, thereby lessening the burden on future operating budgets for the church. As we look toward the future, we must think strategically and creatively about our finances in order to stay focused on the mission of proclaiming and displaying Jesus to our neighborhoods and to the nations. So first action item for 2022, commit yourself to studying the Gospel of Mark. Action item number two, pray for and share the Gospel with someone and use the West property as much as you can to help facilitate that. Goal number three, would God lead you to contribute financially to this campaign so that we're able to pay for as much of this as possible in cash next year. Last section, we're finished right here. Number five, the path ahead. 
In a recent interview about church leadership, Matt Chandler encouraged pastors to remain faithful to their church and be prepared for the uncertain future. In this podcast, he stated the obvious, the absolute obvious. Two years from now definitely won't look like two years ago. Of course, this has always been true, but the reality is really hitting home with more force at the end of 2021. The year 2019 is not coming back. Neither is 1999 nor 1986 for that matter. The world is changing fast, the issues are complex, and the future is uncertain. But instead of fear, we will live with faith and anticipation. God is on his throne. He is at work among his church for his glory. Times like these are ripe for revival for those who desperately seek the Lord in prayer and trust in him. May we walk ahead together, knowing that the way of Jesus always leads to life. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus. And God, thank you for the gift of a church family. God, to know that you draw our hearts together in worship, the joy that we have in seeing people grow in faith. God, that you would use us in the days ahead. We don't want anything that we do just to be about a project. Uh, we don't want this to be just about coming up with a campaign. God, our hearts are focused on seeing people come to know you. And God, more than ever in this coming year, God, would you draw people to know you, to salvation, drawing families back together, using us to reach out into our community. And God, we do those things together. We do those things as a family of faith, looking to you in faith. God, help us to walk the way of Jesus in the coming year. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all again for, for being this or being here tonight. I'll send out a copy of this in my email this week, so I'll attach a copy to the email, and then this will go on our website as well where you can see the other State of the Church addresses. If you have any questions, let me know, but thanks for being here. God bless you. Have a great night.